Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Speaking of the Arts. Today, we are featuring a new organization called NITO, N I T O, which stands for the National Independent Talent Organization. In their own words, NITO is a nonprofit group initially formed by like minded independent talent agencies for the purpose of promoting the welfare and prosperity of its members and their represented artists, as well as for the indirect benefit of those associated with them. NITO welcomes a broader coalition of the live music ecosystem beyond independent talent agencies. From the point of inception, NITO has been working tirelessly to advocate for the survival of the live music community as the nation and economy slowly recover from the COVID 19 pandemic. My own agency is a member of the organization, and I encourage anyone listening who is an agent, manager, artist, or crew member to consider joining. As an organization, we are actively lobbying Congress to provide additional funding and support for the live music industry. And you can visit nitolive.org to find out more and how to join. Joining me today are two of Nito's founding members, including Brad Madison of Mongrel Music and Jack Randall of the Curland Agency. Our conversation covers Nito's current and long-term goals, as well as some of the benefits of joining the organization. We also discuss the current state of the touring industry and what needs to happen in order for it to survive and ultimately resume operations. As always, thanks for listening, everyone, and be well. All right, so Jack, Brad, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you guys taking the time today to talk about NITO. And as I was saying before we started the recording, use this as an opportunity to promote it and tell people what it's all about. So why don't we just start with the basics? Um, what is NITO and why was it formed? Cool. Um, I, I guess I'll go and, and Brad can... Uh, can uh, Add his uh, two cents worth. It, it, it kind of um, came about almost, I don't want to say if by accident's really the right word, but it kind of did in where um, it, in, in our industry, right when the pandemic hit, within the first couple of weeks, there was a, there was a conference call that, that with a group of people that started to take place on, a, on a, probably two or three times a week. And on that conference call was basically that Michael Rapino, the head of Live Nation, um, uh, Jay Marciano, the top guy at AEG, uh, Rob Light at CAA. Um, I'm not sure who would have been, would have been from WME. You know, all the heads of the major agencies, and they also invited Frank Riley, the head, the owner of High Road Touring, to participate. And at some point, I think after maybe the second or third call that he had with, with those people, he decided to reach out to some other colleagues that owned, uh, you know, that ran independent bookie agencies, people that I think he had relationships with and liked and respected and, and probably happened to think of in the time that he was writing this email, <laughs> there might've been more people that are on a different day. It might've been a slightly different cast of characters, but, but he, he wrote out, he reached out to about 14 or 15 of us and invited us to have a call where he was essentially being a conduit of information of what was being discussed on this call. 
and then we would talk about it. And if we had questions, he was going to try to to ask them at some point in the in the conversation. So that went on for a couple of weeks where we had calls and we, you know, there, we would get updates from him. And, you know, there was a point in time where Live Nation AG were going to be uniform and what their new deals were going to be moving forward. And that didn't even, they, they didn't even get in the gate together to get out of the gate together on that particular issue. But at the same time, NEVA, the independent venue, uh, association started to form and they started to they hired a lobbyist and they organized and they started to have their own voice and we saw that and I think for a lot of reasons but you know one of which being that it is as important as it is for the independent venues to survive on many levels including our businesses ourselves um, you know, if they were to get a, um, be successful in getting some, some finance from financial relief from our government, they're in a different, what, Brad, what is the name of, is it the NASIS code? Is that the proper? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. And you, every, every type of business in this country is, is kind of categorized in terms of the government and, and you have our own number and our number as independent agents is 711410. The venues are in a different, they have a different number. So, you know, we, we looked at that and figured out that we really needed to have our own voice. And so at that point, we decided to form a coalition, a group. We all, the other thing I should mention is, and I think Brad would, would second this, um, we all, even though, you know, there's some people like myself and Brad who've known each other for over 30 years. And there was other people, you know, and that's probably true for half of the people for me personally, 20 plus years with many of those people. And there was other people that I certainly knew who they were, but I had never spoken to in my life. And some, you know, some people kind of in between that. And we all, I think really for, you know, really liked each other. And we, the, these calls turned almost into kind of a group therapy. I agree. Agents yeah. anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 the, the, this, I had never been on a zoom call before and Jack hit the nail on the head. It was kind of, you, you could use the word that Nito developed organically, but it was kind of an accident. Um, uh, it, it all of a sudden became something, but the group therapy aspect of it, I still say the Zoom calls with Nito are the highlight of my week. I really mean it. I feel like there's a community that's been building. Everybody's like very open about their businesses, and it's it's a really really good thing. It, it's surprisingly, it's amazing to me how everybody like like you're saying, Jack, kind of connects um, and people that we don't know. Um, so yeah, it's the highlight of my week. It's like, I'm, I'm sitting at the desk 10 minutes before, you know, waiting for Frank Riley to let me <laughs> in. Yeah. And so we're, we're here, it's the beginning of July. Do you guys have a sense of approximately how many members are currently, uh, part of the organization? Um, I think it's, um, help me out, Jack, 72 agents. It's, it's more than that now, cause I, I'm on the membership committee. So I, I see the, 
stuff kind of, you know, come in every day. I, we've had a few this week, I would say, including the founding 14 agencies, we're probably at about 75 independent agencies. Now management companies, it's probably a little less than that. Um, But the more and more the I can tell you just today, you know, or overnight, you know, two or three more of those joined. And we really haven't made a suit as, as a concerted effort to reach out to those companies as we have to the agencies. But, but one thing to note in here before I forget is that we getting back to that NASIS code, the other business, the other type of music industry business that is in the same code as us are, drumroll, independent management companies. So they have every reason to join us as well. And to the best of my knowledge, I think we are the only organization that has a lobbyist that is lobbying on behalf of our particular code. And it's worth mentioning, there's also a growing list of independent artists uh, for Nito as well. Yes. And I was gonna have you guys talk a little bit about that in a second. If I'm, a, if I'm an independent artist listening, um, what would be some of the reasons for me to sign up, as well as if I'm an independent management agency? Um, we should just kind of talk about that now. Um, or this is also, two, I'm gonna lump a couple of questions in, so you guys feel free to take them. Um, okay. Along those lines too, and maybe this fits into that. So what are some of the current goals for the organization? And then what are some of the long-term goals for the organization? Um, this is going to sound a little bit, we need to survive. So what we're trying to do, um, for everyone in the organization is get to the point where it's safe out there in the world and we can start, you know, booking our artists, routing tours, taking care of ourselves. So the, there's an immediate need, which is how do we get to the vaccine or wherever you think things will kick in? Um, which means we, I think Jack mentioned, we engage the lobbyist as well. Um, you know, we have um, a, a, a full-time publicist, a national publicist. Um, we have uh, attorneys um, and we got all the stuff. We're setting up a structure for the short term, which is the long term let's just say a vaccine comes next June, survive till then, which means getting some support from, you know, the government. Um, We've done outreach to uh, every agency where they're based did an outreach to their local senator, uh, to their senators, their their state senators, their senators and their Congress people. So here I'm in Marin County. So it's uh, Kamala Harris and Dianne Feinstein and our congressman is Jared Huffman. He's actually based here in Marin County. So we did outreach to all those people. So we're trying to, let to answer your question, we're trying to survive, get to that point where we can be self-sufficient again and do what we want to do, which is book music, be around music, and you know participate in that whole thing. Um, but that's also the short-term goal. I don't know, Jack, can you help me out on that a little well, bit? I think also, you know, immediate, we would like to try to get more PPP for our businesses, like to also supporting, extending the additional funds for uh, unemployment 
which would be a you know those are would be a benefit to the independent artists obviously as well uh, having their agencies if they're with an independent agency helping them survive so that would certainly be in their interest but you know i think beyond the immediate the economic things that we're hoping to achieve um you know we're also planning on this organization lasting well past this pandemic and you know we we've already held one town hall we're going to be doing that more as time goes on. We are also, uh, in terms of the agencies and managers, share, you know, sharing information. Um, you know, we're going to be offering like a mentoring program. We're going to, um, you know, uh, we, we've already started. We have a list of independent promoters that we're, we, you know, on a state by state basis that you know, somebody's had a really positive experience or preferably experiences with, we put their information. Sharing all our contacts. And then also, conversely, if a, if a particular buyer or club owner um, does a, you know, uh, the, you know, the wrong thing in terms of, uh, you know, one of, to us, one of our clients, we're going to lobby together as a, as a, as a group against that particular club. So there's, there's definitely strength in numbers. Yesterday we had a, a conference uh, call with two of the high up gentlemen at uh, Live Nation in terms of, you know, talking to them about their deal structures and their language in terms of pandemic and, and basically approaching them as a group, which gives us a lot more strength than any one of us on an individual basis. I mean, the fact that they got on there for an hour and talked to all this, I mean, kind of illustrates that point that there's strength in numbers. Well, and, and I wanted to add um, that uh, the 14 founding agencies represent just the 14 founders. Now it's whatever it is, Jack, 76 or whatever, yeah. 2000 artists. Um, that's that that's that's strength in numbers in my book. I mean, I almost fell off my chair when I heard that. Yeah, and a lot of shows we did a breakdown. Uh, it's somewhere, you know, and how how many total shows in 2019 our clients performed in each state. Um, also, with you know number of uh, tick, you know tickets sold, number the average, you know the grosses of those shows. You're talking. I mean, it's big numbers. And it, and it adds up and that's not even factoring all the other kind of uh, revenue streams that uh, our clients going and playing in a particular place help generate, right? Whether it's advertising from the venue to radio stations, to print media, to websites, to restaurants and hotels, et cetera. Sure. Well, and I would say too, as a member, it was so valuable to have some sort of direction and clarity as to how I can try and how I can try and um, interact with Congress, and that simply means just who do I write a letter to? What yeah. should it say? And 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 also one thing, you, Jack, you mentioned the town hall that just took place, and you should mention people can certainly check that out if, if they missed it. What I found really helpful too was um, getting an understanding of the timing of all this and being more tuned into um, Congress, you know, they're gonna go on a, a big break here because it's the summer, right? So the timeliness of getting those letters to them like now or, or two weeks ago or whenever it was, and then understanding when they come back, you know, what are they gonna be talking about? So 
it's so important that anybody who is listening to this, who is running an independent agency, gets uh, gets the sort of urgency of this. Um, the the time is definitely now. You've got a situation where the 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 uh, the ending date for the first round of PPP just ended. The uh, the additional six hundred dollars per week for everybody that's on unemployment ends in a month. Yeah. And well, and I would say so. I could be wrong, but I was reading about that. The language that was published for that was very misleading, and. Uh, it's possible, could be wrong, it's possible the actual $600 ends in a week. <laughs> so we're at July 1st here. Could be wrong, but I, it depends what you're reading. Okay. Anyway, further illustrates the point of um, the urgency of the timing. Right, and that you, I think it goes, you know, you figure that Congress, with all those things going on, um, it, it seemed, you know, uh, logically you seem to think that they're going to be making a lot of decisions that are going to have an effect on us and a lot of other people in the next three weeks, you know, between now and certainly between the, you know, the end of next month, they're going to have to figure some things out. I, I do think uh, that, you know, that everybody in general, it's probably a much better thing that, you know, if this something like this was going to happen, I am thankful that it happened in an election year. There's a lot of people there that are voting on things that want to get their, want to get re-upped for their job this fall. That's for sure. And there is nothing that inspires politicians more than getting reelected. Yeah. Um, I, w I was thinking about this, just kind of going into our conversation. I'm personally not a member of, and I'm probably going to get the acronym wrong, Nam NAMPEMA. The North American, um, you guys know what I'm talking about. I did too. Um, <laughs> I guess my question is, is there any overlap between this organization and that one? I would assume a lot of those members are now part of this organization anyway. I think there, there's certainly people that are members of both. Um, there hasn't really been any kind of a formal reach out. We have We have discussed that organization and perhaps you know, trying to establish some relationship with them. I would say the the one, the one organization that we've had a, a much more deeper kind of working relationship with yeah. it's Neva. Yeah, we're and, we're we're leaning on them, um, and hopefully now that uh, Nito is becoming um, a little more organized, functional, participatory, we have the lobbyists and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully they're leaning on us too. But that's the, uh, that's the natural one for NITO, uh, is NEVA for sure. Right. And we, there we is interaction between their board and our board. Yeah, we have a lot more in common with, with those people. You know, the, our, our mutual survival is critical to, to each other. Um, and one other thing I want to add in terms of... Um, uh, getting back to a second, because I, I, I feel like we addressed the, you know, some reasons why independent management companies should join, you know, if, if above and beyond anything else, the fact that we're the only lobbying group that's <laughs> trying to help, <laughs> trying to help them get government money. I, I, in fact, I don't know that I would have to list a second reason. I would think that would be, be good enough. But 
in terms of artists, besides the fact of, you know, if you're with an independent agency of their survival, we will be offering things that I think, you know, there's a resource guide on our site in terms of, um, uh, you know, different organizations that are helping, uh, you know, funds for, for musicians that, uh, and, um, in terms of, I think probably down, you know, in terms of, uh, different options and, and things for like trying to do streaming and, and things like that. And the, while the shutdown takes place. So there, there are some, some more direct benefits for, for artists as well. And, you know, I, I would also say we've, we've also gotten some pretty high profile artists that have, have, uh, signed up. Um, Robert Plant is a member of Nito, uh, Jeff Tweedy, um, I just wrote a, a welcome email to Lucinda Williams today. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a, a lot, a lot of our clients, you know, of the agencies have, have joined, uh, Brittany Howard, Alabama shakes and, you know, but, um, that's a growing, we're probably getting more musicians and bands joining volume wise right now than, than booking agencies and, and management companies. But, you know, there's a lot more artists as well. So. Right, right. Well, I'll be sure to put up the actual link when we put this episode out, but just for people listening, it's nitolive.org, N-I-T-O live.org, where you can find all the information that Jack and Brad are talking about. Right. I was, I was going to ask you guys, because um, we have a wide variety of people who listen to this, presenters, artists, agents, managers. And so I'm just kind of curious from, to hear from both of you from a booking perspective, What's your take? What's your take on any shows happening between now and the end of 2020? Um, you know, it's clearly depends who you're talking to and what state they're in. But me, 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 me. Yeah. Let me talk. Brad, <laughs> I see you raising it. your hand. <laughs> um, large gatherings are not happening this year, and it's it's been amazing to me that you know you know, festivals move their dates and there were still some big festivals pulling the plug this week. Um, you know, to me, the large gathering thing seemed, I think I can even actually speak for our group that everybody kind of felt a couple months ago that just wasn't going to happen. Um, Nor so, was the right thing to happen. No, the right thing to do was to cancel. You got that right. So, um, Anyway, that was um, that was interesting to me, and I, I had one conversation this morning with somebody who's well. We talked about it before we went live, but uh, as far as as touring, um, I'm a little extreme on this. Uh, 2020 to me is not going to happen. If something amazing, a miracle, shows up, then maybe people can book locally or in their region. Um, I don't think the restricted capacity works for most people. I think that's an iffy proposition. But people want to do business. People want to have commerce. People want to get back out there. Um, I support that. Um, but if something miraculous happens, it'll have to be local and regional. You just can't imagine any you know, routed touring happening this year. And to take it out to the end, um, based on our behavior as a, as a country, um, I don't think we're back in the game until we have a vaccine. I, uh, 
I really believe that's going to get us um, back and we can start to rebuild our business. Um, until that happens, I mean, it just doesn't look very good. I mean, here in California, you know, we were doing great. And we had 9,000 cases yesterday or something like that. So the virus is everywhere. And I know they can come up with, or they will, uh, some kind of therapy or curative. And I, I know they can do more testing. And maybe we get a new president. And I know they can do contact. I just think all that stuff is just, just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So to be blunt, I think it's next June of 2021 when we can resume some kind of regular touring. If somebody says to me, can I move my date to May 21st? Of course, let's see what happens. That seems realistic. After moving tours three and four times or individual dates three and four or five times, you realize that's a problem at many levels. It confuses your fan base as well. You know, if you were booked in May and then you're booked in July and then you're booked in September, I just think, you know, I've been encouraging people to go far out and bet on the vaccine and feel like the date actually has a chance to play through. But uh, I'm glad it's July 1st because now I can say it's 11 months away rather than a year. Feel better. Well, it's probably also well, I'm a little bit doom and gloom on that one. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think that. Um, in terms, you know, I think first and foremost, because there is no, there's no national plan. So you've got a situation, let's hypothetically, let's say Brad or I have an artist that's going to go out on a, on a 10 day run and they're going to play eight shows in eight different cities in five different states. Well, for in order for that to work, you've got to have eight mayors and five governors to all be on the same page. Right. right. All of them have to be on the same page for that tour to work. And I just don't, I don't see that as being reality for quite a while. I do think there's gonna be re regional things that happen. Uh, I live in New Hampshire. They're on the verge of actually allowing, we're, we're one of the two green states at the moment. In other words, where cases are actually going down in this state um and there's been a couple of places that have been doing outdoor things there's been a venue that's been doing parking lot shows i think that's been going okay but that's an intimate situation where you know i think in some of these other cases on the call that we were on yesterday with live nation talking about drive-in shows they're they're already seem to be kind of souring on that and they're not selling very well but they're also doing situations where you know it's like a thousand cars well you know, if you're the 982nd car, how how much of a great experience can that be if you've got, you know, 800 and, you know, 62 cars in front of you and you're sitting in your car? Yeah. And you show your applause by honking. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just, I, I in terms of the touring, uh, I do think that sm logically smaller venues will be doing things sooner than, than bigger venues. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely don't see that happening in this calendar year. Well, it's worth mentioning too, or maybe it goes without saying, how does all this translate if I'm an artist? What are you guys hearing from your own artists in terms of their confidence level 
if you were to tell them, oh, we have every reason to think uh, this show is going to happen, whatever show is going to happen three months from now, but you have to get on a plane, um, there will be social distancing on the seats. I mean, are you guys across the board hearing, yes, I want the work from your artists? Or, you know, what, what are you hearing? Because like for me, even if we're talking about an artist that lives in New York City, and say we're talking about um, a small club that's planning to reopen soon with, with social distancing uh, as a major requirement, I'm not hearing that they, in my, in my humble experience, I'm not hearing that they want to do it. <laughs> and that doesn't even take into consideration getting onto a plane. So. Yeah, no, I, I um, in my case with my clients, um, I, I don't have anybody calling me up looking for work. Um, and in way more often than not, when there's something that is coming up on the horizon that looks like it might happen and the buyer is still thinking it's going to happen, as that gets closer, what's really happening for, with my clients is they're actually saying, I don't feel safe. I, I don't want to go and, and you know, play, that, play that situation. So I, you know, um, I, I think by and large, my clients, you know, are not feeling, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to work anytime soon. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of things out there on the playing field are going to have to change before, you know, but, but I'm thankful that that's their attitude, you know, about it that that makes things easier. I, I think it's the right attitude. I think it's re, you know, the realistic attitude, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful about that. Uh, Brad, I don't know what your experience has been with your, your family. Well, I, it's, it's been a process. I think it's taken a few months um, for everybody to get to that place where it doesn't make sense to tour. It is not the right thing to do. Um, the reality is, um, all the agents went through this as well. It was, oh yeah, we're going to have some, uh, you know, activity in the summer and uh, we'll have some activity in the fall. And then it was, we're praying for some activity in the fall. I mean, it, it reality bit everybody pretty hard. And for those artists who uh, generate most of their income from, um, from the live situation. Um, yeah. They had to deal with the the stress there of their own, you know, unique financial situations but just yesterday somebody was uh, you know thanking me for you know sharing lots of information with them um you know the the uh the community of uh, nito shares tons of stuff um you know somebody comes across something that relates to ppp and, and they send it around or somebody comes across something that's related to restricted openings or or I mean, we're sharing information all the time. And I got to a point where I just thought, well, you know, I'm not going to send everything, you know, to the artist, but I started sending them some of these links and, and it, uh, it lays it out pretty clearly. So yeah, people are appreciative of, um, you know, getting the information, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I was in denial at the beginning. So, you know, it's, oh yeah, you know, two months, you know, whatever. Same thing for the artist, but I think everybody works through that stuff. And that's not to say that it is not stressful, you know, on the financial side of things. It is, that's real. Um, but 
Yeah, I think, I think, I think most artists now are, are looking at, you know, this is going to take time and we're not going to come roaring back when we do get back out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think another thing and another important thing for us as, as agents, um, and I kind of pretty early on this process as of the information was kind of, you know, settling in and the reality was setting in, I, I figured out that in terms of uh, with my clients and in terms of when they, when and where they start working again, that it was not my place to lobby them to either go play or not play. That that had to be their own personal decision and I would be happy to get as much if they had questions and if they wanted information, I was more than happy to do that so they could to help them make the best informed decision that they could make. But that's a very personal thing. And it's not my it's not my place uh, to to try to get them to to do something or not do something. Right. Thanks, also, Gandhi. Hmm? Thank you, Gandhi. <laughs> Well, and also, I mean, even without doing shows and traveling and everything, the music community has lost um, a fair amount of its elderly members due to the virus, just by way of them being in that high-risk category. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's I've, increasingly difficult. I've lost, I've lost one client, um, Ellis Marsalis, uh, as a result of the disease. He had other medical issues which made him incredibly high risk for it. He had multiple other medical issues, but he died of COVID-19. Uh, then I had another client, um, John Pissarelli, who lost his parents one week apart. Both due to the virus. Both due to the virus. Now they were both in their 90s. Again, uh, in the case, I'm not sure with his mother, but in the case of his father, Bucky, who was a pretty noted uh, guitar player as well, other medical issues as well. but. It's, you know, so it's definitely hit, you know, people that I know. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a, you know, it's a very real thing, you know. Right. So the, you know, one thing we've all had to adjust to is live streaming. And I'm kind of curious, are your artists doing live streaming? Because I have a couple of follow-up questions that relate directly to Nito with that. So let's just start with that. Yeah, we've... Um... We've done quite a few, um, kind of from the beginning, because we have, uh, you know, some of our artists are solo performers. Um, it's uh, it was a easy thing for them to do, um, and you know, I, I, worthwhile, um, I think. And it's nice to see that. Uh, the production values are going up and everything is getting a little more, you know, pro. Um, that's good. Uh, there's been a few of them um, that I've watched that I thought were really good. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm an old guy, no substitute for the, for the live situation. Um, yeah, but I get it. Uh, and I understand it's going to be part of the, part of the deal from here on out. Um, you know, uh, there's a venue near you guys that that has cameras and a studio and it's a live venue and they're going to start to do shows. And I think those things will work um, for sure. I don't 
I don't, I don't know if a year from now people will be into watching somebody from their living room couch. Um, um, and the tip jar thing I think needs to go away personally. If, if, uh, if this is going to be a real thing, I think somebody figure, needs to figure out how to charge for it. What would be appropriate? Um, I'm, I'm, I've lost interest in the tip jar thing. As hey, a, Jack. I mean, I've had some do it. I mean, I think for the, you know, my jazz clients, that's kind of hard, you know, to pull off, <laughs> you know, uh, they're all, you know, there, many of them don't live in the same city, you know, so you can't get them in the same room. So, you know, to play musically things that are that kind of uh, intricate and complicated from three or four or five or six different locations isn't really, you know, going to work. So, but in terms of some of my other artists, um, a few have, I, I, I won't say that a lot. It's, it's definitely a minority, but in some cases, I've had artists, uh, for example, Davina and the Vagabonds, where she's, you know, done her own thing. She's doing about one a month. And, you know, she generates a fair, you know, a, a decent amount of, you know, probably covers a good chunk of her monthly expenses. And, and um, you know, we're actually talking about maybe doing something with her at actually because her and the band all live in Minneapolis. At least they're in the same, you know, city but we're talking about maybe going into the Dakota there the club in Minneapolis, for those who don't know, and, you know, doing a live streaming thing through the Dakota site, you know, that would charge and would, you know, um, and something like that. And I think that could actually do, you know, quite what, you know, I would, I would expect that that would probably generate three or four times the amount of money that she's doing with, with, you know, things on her own. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Brad in that, you know, um, I'm not, you know, I happen to have a, you can't quite see it, but a, about a 75 inch TV with a 5.1 surround sound system. So I'm not really watching music on my computer. Um, so, but, you know, there's a whole, you know, um, large group of people that do a lot more things on their on their computer than I do, you know, personally. So, but I do, I wonder at a certain point when that kind of, when people lose interest in that. Well, it, it, I, don't, it I, don't, I don't know the answer, but, but, yeah. but there's also, I'll mention, there's some really successful, one of the other agents, um, that uh, founding member of Nito and Brad, maybe correct me, but, but and it was with an indie rock band, but they generated, I want to say they did a thing and generated almost, I think, nine, a total yeah, of about $9,000. Yeah, but I think it was like 9,000 people at 10 bucks. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, but it was a, you know, live right. thing and they, they really marketed it hard. And, but, you know, I think, I think for, you know, Probably the, the younger your demographic, your fan base is, probably the more successful streaming events are going to be. Just the fact that typically younger people are more um, active on, on their computers. So. Right. I think it, it puts the artists in a difficult position because, you know, on the one hand, they're, they're hungry to perform and do whatever they can from their apartments or their homes during this whole time. And they want to stay in touch with their fans as best that they can. But on the other hand, if you saturate, if you're doing this, even if you're just doing this once a week, 
that becomes too much because you lose sight of the experience from a fan's perspective who has no reason to tune in week to week to week when they're used to seeing you maybe once a year live, right? So I, I, it's like you, I think for artists listening, you don't want to think of live streaming as replacing the stage. It's a completely different thing that needs to be taken advantage of in a completely different way. It's not, it shouldn't be to replicate the live show by any means. Yeah. You know, nothing about it should. So my, I guess my question for Nito though is, given that that's sort of the reality that we're all in, does Nito have a role in live streaming? Um, you know, how do we, the other part of that question too, quite frankly, is like, how do we as agents provide value to artists who are only doing live streaming? Or can we? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know that I have a real, a great answer to that. I don't, you know, I mean, I really personally haven't gotten you know, in most, in very, you know, the vast majority of cases, I haven't, you know, as a company, we haven't gotten involved right. uh, with artists doing that because they're doing it on their social media. You know, they don't, you know, much like I don't, I'm not involved in getting a revenue stream from, you know, their publishing or, or, right. you know, record CD sales at the gig or, or whatever, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a different stream, but I, I'm, you know, on the other hand, I, I, you know, it, it's definitely a way that it helps subsidize these artists, you know, who, who need to be subsidized right now, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm all for it, but uh, I think, you know, in some cases, I think artists may be coming up with pretty unique things in terms of the streaming thing, something that you can't, you know, maybe it's a collaboration with another artist that happens to be in town, or I don't know, maybe they pull out and they do a whole one of their records and sequencing in its entirety or something like that, you know, and give it like something that's special that, you know, you they've never done before that could probably give you some added value and, and get some people interested. But, you know, I mean, again, how, how many idea, you know, how, how long can you keep doing that? You know? Yeah, I think uh, speaking to your um, point about oversaturation, um, my response to that is, is uh, they can't miss you if you don't go away. So if, if you're doing one every couple of weeks, it's probably going to, Diminishing returns, I think, unfortunately. Having said that, what Jack's saying is true. It's evolving. I mean, you know, it's getting better. There's no doubt about it. And um, artists are becoming, you know, more creative with it. Uh, there's platforms being set up to, you know, you wind up doing a, a you go to a studio space um, where it's going to sound great, where they've got good cameras and somebody was mentioning yesterday that you know you pick 10 clubs that you or 10 venues that you typically play once a year and you involve the clubs and play for your fans so maybe you can play for those you know Ann Arbor and Cleveland and Chicago and Milwaukee Madison Minneapolis and tune into your clubs and tune into your audience so yeah it's evolving and I think it's going to be with us I mean um and there's some people that are making bold, bold moves. Philadelphia Folk Festival, it's incredible. They're gonna do their whole festival online. It's like three or four days of programming, uh, 
36 artists, something like that. I mean, it's, it's impressive and it, it's, yeah, it comes under the uh, umbrella of mega entrepreneurial risk is how I see it. They're just, they're just going to go for it. So as people invest in this, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna stick in some places, I think, and be another way for the artists and the venues to, you know, sell some tickets. But I do think you have to start selling tickets eh, at some point. Um, and, and, and that'll happen. But uh, yeah, you can oversaturate. I agree. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for your time today. Before we wrap up, is there anything about the organization that's worth mentioning that hasn't been mentioned? Seems like we covered a lot. It's, um, you know, it's just a wonderful community. It's, uh, um, you know who you, your people are when, when, when you get on those Zoom calls or those town halls with Nito. I mean, they're just, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful community uh, that, like Jack was saying, this thing will go on hopefully forever, you know, and, uh, you know, just, I mean, if, if, if you're an artist, there's absolutely no reason to not sign up. Um, you know, takes you 10 seconds. You can become an associate member. Um, you can also become an associate member if you're a road manager. Yes. Or a, a, you know, travel agent, marketing person, any, any, anything associated with a band and, uh, and on the road, you know, uh, you can join as well. And, and again, the artist managers, you've got a, you know, you've got as a vested, a really vested interest in joining this organization. Yeah. Yeah. You know. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. And we mentioned it at the beginning, but I'll say it again. It's nitolive.org, N-I-T-O-Live.org. And we'll have a link in the episode. Thanks again, guys. You guys good? Yeah. Th thank good. you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for uh, having us, Mike. Yeah, you Pretty bet. Appreciate it. Say, and a big hello to all my friends in the performing <laughs> arts world. Yeah. <laughs> hope you're all <laughs> hanging in there and are all healthy and safe and uh, hope to uh, run into you soon somewhere, you know, uh, even if it has to be the Hilton in New York City. Uh, are you guys going to do the virtual... <laughs> Well, there's the virtual Midwest Western Arts Alliance conference in October that we might see each other at. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure we'll be participating in that as well. And I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't imagine that APAP is going to be happening in person either, although they haven't made an announcement for that. But I just can't see, uh, you know, however many thousands of people go to APAP, you know, going to Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> Why not? In the intimate confines of the Midtown Hilton for yeah. five fun-filled days and nights. I, I don't think that's happening this year. On that note, thanks again, guys. Okay. Thank you so okay. much. Bye.